You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 164. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing great. It's Kim Eagle here with the Earn That Body podcast. And today we are gonna talk about exercise and being sick, which is kind of timely, because I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm rather congested myself, recovering from illness. And people are always asking me, should I work out if I'm sick? When can I work out if I'm sick? When should I go back to working out? Does exercise impact my immunity? So many questions and relationships between exercise and being sick. So we're gonna talk about all of that today and especially 10 myths about colds and flus. Perhaps you don't know if it's a fact or a myth, but I guarantee you, you've heard it before. So all of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. Today's Eagle Eye on Health comes to you from Idea Fitness Magazine, and the title of it is Choose Food First, Then Hit the Gym. And what they are talking about is people's post-workout snack. Now listen to this. A healthy post-exercise snack can kickstart recovery, whereas a poor food choice can quickly undo a good workout. And that makes sense, right? You know that if you work out and then you eat a candy bar, you can undo all of that hard work, right? That's not gonna benefit you. But getting in that 20 grams of protein right after a workout, that's definitely gonna benefit you. Well, according to this, a study in the journal Nutrients, that's the name of the journal, suggests we can boost nutrition after exercise by encouraging people to choose their post-workout snack in advance. University of Nebraska Lincoln researchers found that when people were asked to decide before a workout whether they wanted an apple or a chocolate brownie, they were more likely to choose the fruit. By contrast, subjects selected the less healthy option more often when directed to choose their food after a workout. So if clients are striving to shed a few pounds and eat healthier diets, you should, according to what they're saying, telling us trainers, suggest that they choose their post-workout snack before they go to the gym, not when they're super hungry afterward. Now here's my two cents on all of this. This is great. You can't just tell someone, however, hey, are you gonna pick a protein shake or the candy bar after your workout? You know, if I just to ask somebody that, that's not enough. What you really have to do is make your post-recovery snack and have it ready to go, especially for those people who do hit the gym, maybe first thing in the morning. And what happens is, you're hungry after that workout. And so a lot of people go down to that gym cafe and when you're hungry, you are more likely to just make the quick choice. And most quick choices come in a package and most things in a package are not healthy for you, right? Those are your processed foods. Or maybe you look up, I remember I used to go to Lifetime Gym and I would look up at that menu and gosh, 
some of those protein drinks that they have and some of the shakes, they sound amazing. They sound so delicious and you're starving, but they're also very high in calories and not super healthy like you would think. Like the type of peanut butter they used to use used to make me really mad because <laughs> it wasn't a healthy type of peanut butter. Another thing to note, if you are eating at a gym cafe, look at what they're putting in your shake. It might not be so healthy just because the title says it is. But really, what you gotta do is either bring your own post-workout recovery snack to the gym, put it in a little cooler in your car so that you're not even tempted by the bad things that are gonna be on the menu, or a lot of people also leave the gym, not all gyms have a cafe, and they're starving, and so what do you think they do? They go to Starbucks. Because Starbucks has become like the 7-Eleven of our generation, I feel like. It's, it's the quick stop on every corner, but you're gonna walk into that Starbucks, and you're starving, and you're gonna look in their display, and honestly, there is very few items in the display that are healthy. And you're gonna grab that banana bread, which is so delicious and easy to grab, but totally not healthy. Not gonna fulfill you with the calories uh, or I should say the nutrient-rich calories that your body needs for protein at all. And you're probably going to get maybe the unhealthy coffee drink with a little extra syrup and the chocolate and the caramel, again, because you're hungry. So according to this article and today's Eagle's Eye on Health, what the takeaway is, is pick that post-workout recovery snack, make it before the workout, and have it ready to go. That is is definitely going to set you up for success. Okay, now let's talk about this relationship between exercise and being sick. So many things, uh, so many questions, I should say, that people have about exercise and being sick. And unfortunately, it is that season. Again, I never know when you're gonna listen to this podcast, but right now, if you're listening live, it is uh, December and the flu season is already here. My poor son had flu B just two weeks ago. I'm coming off being sick. It could have been the flu. I could have gotten it from my son. They, they do have us take Tamiflu if your child is, has the flu to, as a preventative so that we don't get it, um, but it's still possible that I did get it. So uh, who knows, but it is that time of year. And so it's really important to know when you can work out, should you work out, all of that because it could impact how quickly you get better. So let's jump right in. Biggest question I ever get from my clients, can I work out if I'm sick? Now, according to Mayo Clinic, they said that a mild to moderate physical activity is usually okay if you have a common cold. Now that would be a common cold without a fever. So that's a big distinguisher of can I work out is the fever. Now, exercise can even help you feel better sometimes if you just have that mild cold because sometimes it actually opens up your nasal passages and for me, it can often relieve some of the nasal congestion. So moderate cold, moderate physical activity, that would be okay. Now, as a general guideline for exercise and illness, this is what they say. Exercise is usually okay if your symptoms are above the neck. 
And these signs and symptoms include those you may have with that common cold, like your runny nose, nasal congestion, sneezing, and maybe a minor sore throat. Not, not a raging sore throat, okay? Consider if you are gonna work out with those symptoms above the head, that again, these are mild symptoms above the head, you would maybe still reduce the intensity of the workout. I would probably shorten the workout, maybe not work out as long as you normally do. Maybe instead of going for a run, you take a power walk. You know, you could swap things to sort of take that workout down a level if you have that common cold, because your system isn't at its best, okay? When, when, even when you just have a cold, your, your system is already taxed because it's trying to get you well. So you don't wanna do too much on top of that, but you can do something light. Now, you don't wanna exercise if your signs and symptoms are below the neck. So what would that be? Things like chest congestion, some kind of hacking cough, or even when your stomach is not happy. You know, the upset stomach feeling when you're like, oh, please, I hope I don't have the stomach flu. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things when you do not exercise. Did you hear that? I said do not exercise. I didn't say lighten it up even more. You do not want to work out under those type of symptoms. And you absolutely don't want to exercise if you have a fever, if you have the flu, muscle aches, or even very deep fatigue. Those are indicators that like your body is basically shot right now and it is not the time to tax it even more. Because as I often tell you, exercise is a stress on the body. So we don't want to put more stress on top of a body that's actually already sick because that sickness is a stress and your body is working so hard to fight that off that the last thing your body needs is more stress on top of it. Now, one thing that I do and I highly recommend is when you are sick, you really wanna let your body tell you what you can handle. So that means being very in tune with your body and really honoring your body as well. So if you're super lethargic, don't work out. Like sometimes I hear people and they're like, I really don't feel good, but I'm gonna go ahead and just get through this cycle class. No, that's you're just going to be worse after that cycle class. So super lethargic, don't work out. Um, but if you feel like, you know, your nose is kind of stuffy, okay, maybe you just go for the short walk that day. But really, again, all I can say is listen to your body. It tells you. I, I mean, I try to be very in tune with my body, and I try to encourage others to as well, meaning it what's the first thing that comes to your head when you ask yourself, should I work out right now? Like if you're sick and you thought and you had to make that quick choice, like should I or should I not? I feel like you know, like you're like, no, I know I shouldn't work out or I should. Listen to your, listen to your gut on this one. Just don't work out if you're not sure because likely you'll get better faster if you just take that extra time off. It's not gonna be a good workout anyway, right? So, you know, I feel like you're doing more damage by having a poor workout and being sick and then potentially making your illness just last longer because you're so fatigued and weak. So things to think about when you ask me or when you ask yourself, 
Should I work out? I'm not feeling well. Now, what about when to go back to exercise? Because that's something like I'm just starting to do. I've been sick for like four or five days and I'm just starting to honestly take a walk. Um, so you really want to ease back in. Now, according to an article in Time Magazine, there was a gentleman named David Neiman, and he was the professor and director of the Human Performance Lab. And he says that once your fever has subsided, you should wait a full week before easing yourself back into exercise. You want to start with long walks and then progress to moderate workouts. By the end of the second week post-fever, if you're feeling good, you can return to your usual training. Now, if you continue to have muscle aches or weakness or lethargy, you do not want to go back to that vigorous exercise yet. You should still probably be in the walking and resting phase. A lot of people think, oh, I, I think I can push through it. Don't ever push through it. That's not going to help you when you're recovering. Now, I actually think that that's, I mean, that's waiting a full week after the fever. That's a lot. I don't even know if I could do that. Because again, I feel so much about checking in physically with how I feel. So if I, but I would definitely be waiting like five days before I would start working out. Now, Mayo Clinic says you should resume your normal workout routine gradually as you begin to feel better. And you should always check with your doctor if you're not sure if it's okay to exercise. And that's sort of that's sort of more what I do. I, I gradually bring exercise back in, and I mean gradually, um, as I start to feel better. And I fully know, like if I still have a headache from my nasal congestion, I don't feel good, right? If you didn't sleep well because of your nasal congestion or your sore throat or anything, you're not ready to go back. You, again, just kind of try to think of your body and all that it's going through. And if you're still not 100%, take a couple more days off and then ease back. I do not go back like into my hard yoga class. Like I'm not going to be ready for my yoga class, which is very intense. It's in the heat until at least mid next week. I know that. And so um, I'm going to just sort of start with walks and maybe a little run walk and see how I feel after that. Because if I do work out and I don't feel good afterwards, that means I did too much too soon. So again, it's all about listening to your body and then easing back in. Don't just go back to full strength training. Um, don't just go back to that 10 mile run or speed work, you know, nothing like that. Ease back in nice and slowly. Now, a lot of people also ask me about exercise in relation to immunity. Does exercise help you avoid illness? And if you want to protect yourself from the colds and the flu, they do say that regular exercise is the best for your immune system. And studies have shown that moderate aerobic exercise, that's moderate, around 30 to 45 minutes a day of activities like walking or biking, running, can more than half your risk for respiratory infections and other common winter maladies. So yeah, exercise is actually a big component to helping your immune system. 
Now, they also say that there's some evidence that very intense exercise, such as running a marathon, shame on me, that can briefly suppress your immune function, according to Dr. Bruce Barrett, who's a professor of family medicine at the University of Wisconsin. But in general, he says that physical activity is a great way to shield you from illness. It's just the intense exercise, again, that can suppress your immunity, because what did I just say? Exercise is a stress on the body. So the intense exercise definitely can suppress you when, you know, after that marathon is very common, actually, that people get sick right after the marathon. People also tend to get sick right at the end of a marathon training because they have done this gradual build. They just hit all their longest runs before they taper, and that was so much stress on the body that their immune system's actually a little bit lower at that point. So very common for the marathoner to get sick right before the race, unfortunately, when they're in that taper, or right after the race because it was such intensity. And that's a reason that you don't you don't want to do intense things like that too often. Um, when I do hear about people doing four marathons a year or two to three Ironmans a year, very hard on your system. And that will affect your immune system and your adrenals over time. So exercise is important for our body, but I think that so many people take it to an extreme level, and that's when it starts to break your body down. But instead, if you do it at, you know, just sort of a minimal level, a normal level, then it really is a great benefit to your body. Now let's talk about 10 cold and flu myths, because I bet some of these, I bet most of these you have heard of, and it's possible that some of these you don't actually know. Is it a myth or is it a fact? So this comes from US News and they talk about 10 cold and flu myths debunked and I thought it was a fantastic article to uh, finish up this episode with. So the first one is the cold can turn into the flu. Do you think that's true or false? I will give you a moment to think about it. That is your moment. <laughs> the cold cannot turn into the flu. So that is false. The common cold and the flu are both respiratory illnesses, but they're caused by different viruses. So one does not turn into the other. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So now you know, if you have a cold, you have the cold, and if you have a flu, you have the flu, but the cold is not gonna turn into the flu. Number two, the flu isn't that serious. What do you think about that? Well, actually, it is quite serious. The CDC estimates that 5 to 20% of the U.S. population gets the flu each year, and during the 2014 to 2015 flu season, 146 children died from flu-related causes. That's a good argument for getting the shot, according to many doctors. Um, people with asthma, heart problems, or if you're over 65, are much more at risk for death or a bad outcome from the flu because their immune system isn't as strong to begin with. So for sure they should be getting the flu shot. Pregnant women also they recommend should get the flu shot. Now I have never gotten the flu shot before. Um, I don't get the flu very often. I don't know if I've ever had the flu in the last 
five years, but my son has been getting it every year. <laughs> so he had flu B this year, he had flu A last year. And so I, I am gonna talk to the doctor about potentially getting the flu shot for him. Obviously he's exposed to all the high schoolers and, and maybe it's just so much more prevalent in the school that he keeps getting it. He also is a runner. And I would say at more at the extreme level, like what we were just talking about, he runs so often. And so he's gotten the flu now twice after the cross country season, which I think is interesting because it's almost like after the marathon, right? He has done a buildup. He has had his biggest races, district and regionals at the end of that, just between the amount of training. And there's a level of stress with that kind of racing. I think I would gather it's it's sort of taken his immune system down a little bit and he gets more susceptible and that's when flu season starts. So potentially he will be getting the flu shot next year, but um, that's something you always wanna talk about with your doctor. Now the next one, flu myth or cold myth is starve a fever. Did you ever used to hear that? It was like starve a fever, feed a cold. That is also false. In fact, that's the opposite of what your body needs. They say that a fever is the body's normal reaction to try and clear a virus like a cold or flu. The fever is completely unrelated to your food intake. Instead, they say that you should aim to drink more fluids to replace those you've lost and maintain your normal calorie level to boost your immune system. And sometimes that's really hard because when you are sick, I know when my son just had the flu, I could barely get him to eat. So we focused on fluids, fluids, fluids as much as possible. But you do want to maintain as much of a calorie consistency as possible because it will help your body, but definitely tough when you're not feeling good. Next myth or fact, dry heat or cold will make you sick. Did you ever hear that? Like, don't go outside when it's too cold, you're gonna catch a cold. Well, cold weather makes you cold and hot weather makes you hot, but guess what? Neither one causes the flu or a cold. Why? Because those are caused by viruses. So while you won't catch a cold from that wintry breeze, moist air can prove very helpful if you're having trouble breathing. Try taking a shower even, stepping into a sauna, or using a cold air humidifier. All of these things can help alleviate respiratory symptoms associated with the cold and the flu. But just so you know, dry heat or being cold will not actually make you sick. So if your, your mom or your grandma yells at you, don't go outside without a scarf, you're gonna catch a cold, <laughs> you can tell her, that's a myth. Next one. And this is if this one goes side by side with that, right? Don't go outside with wet hair. Did anybody ever used to tell you that? Like your mom, like I said, your grandma, I can like totally hear them like, don't go outside with wet hair, you're gonna get sick. Well, according to this doctor, they say there's no scientific evidence at all that this old myth holds any weight. Temperatures do indeed drop in much of the US during the fall and the winter. And that is generally when people come down with the cold and the flu viruses. But your hair and its, its wetness <laughs> has nothing to do with developing an infection. 
If you have to skip the blow dryer because you're tight on time, that doesn't mean your health is going to suffer. Now, that being said, if you are sick and you have wet hair and you go out into the cold, I don't think it helps you get well sooner. You know what I mean? Like I would say you have an aversion to having wet hair and being cold when you're sick. But if you're healthy and your hair is wet and you go outside into the cold, you might be uncomfortable, but it's not going to actually make you sick. The next one, this is an important one since we're talking about the flu. They, you often hear people say things like the flu vaccine causes the flu, right? Wrong. That's actually not true. Doctors have known for ages that the flu vaccine cannot give someone the flu, but somehow the rumor continues to spread quicker than the common cold. The CDC cites the vaccine's most common side effects as soreness, redness, tenderness and swelling around the injection site. And then some people may develop a low-grade fever, a headache, and muscle aches. And that is probably what they're talking about when people say, like, I got the flu right after I got the shot. They probably had that low-grade fever, the headache, and the muscle aches, but they technically don't have the flu. So that's important because I recently just heard someone tell me, I got the flu after I got the shot. And again, they had the fever, the headache, the muscle aches, but they technically don't have the flu. So I think that's one less thing that you have to worry about. Okay, myth or fact, avoid dairy if you are sick. Well, if you grew up with chronic respiratory conditions like asthma, you probably have heard that one before. Dairy makes your phlegm thicker. Well, that's not true unless you have dairy problems or intolerances to begin with, all right? So if you're lactose intolerant or you have a food allergy with dairy, then yes, you probably would want to avoid dairy always, not just when you're sick. So when you probably don't wanna consume dairy is at all if you're intolerant, but definitely when you're sick, as I just said, there's no relationship, however, between dairy products and phlegm, again, if you don't have that intolerance. So if you're sick and you don't have a dairy problem, don't feel like you have to avoid all of that dairy. Again, when you're sick, it's important to keep calories in your body. It's important to stay hydrated. So if you're craving something with dairy, it's probably better to have it than not as long as you're not intolerant. What about this one? If you get the flu shot, you'll be immune to the flu. Most of us have heard by now that that is just not true. Now, in general, the flu shot protects against H1N1, H3N2, and influenza B. However, the vaccine only covers about 70 to 80% of the flu viruses that exist in a given season. And getting the flu once doesn't mean you can't get it again, just so you know. That's lovely, right? Still, it's better to be safe than sorry, um, and that's why most doctors will encourage you to get the flu vaccine, but it doesn't mean that you won't get the flu. Now, what I've been told is if you get the flu vaccine and then you do get the flu, your symptoms will be a lot less than someone who didn't have the vaccine. 
So that part's nice. If it's true, we, I mean, I, I really would have no way of knowing. My son's symptoms were pretty bad this time. That's probably the, the worst I've ever seen him. He was out for like three days with a high fever and really just really not feeling well at all. Um, so potentially the, the flu shot could have helped him at least have less symptoms. Now, when I took him to the doctor, another thing to note about the flu and the flu shot the first thing is I took him the day after he had his first fever. So he had a fever for a day and it wasn't gone the next morning. And for him, that to me is telltale. Usually if he can kick a fever by the next day, he's fine. And if not, he usually has the flu or strep. So I took him to the doctor right away and they said it's really important that you do that because they can only give you that Tamiflu uh, or there's another one pill flu um, pill now if you bring them in within 48 hours of their symptoms. So that's a, another thing to know. And that's not, you don't get the vaccine for that. Then they're giving you the Tamiflu. Or like I said, there's a new one pill that you can get once you have the flu to help you as an antiviral and to help you with the symptoms. Only if it's within 48 hours. So don't wait if you or your kiddo start showing signs of the flu, go in right away, get tested right away. I always say, go to the doctor right away for everything because information is power. And I would rather know if I had the flu before I infect a million other people. And I would like to be able to, to get the Tamiflu to reduce the symptoms as much as possible. So that's really important. But when I was at the doctor, they said, oh, we had a kid in here yesterday who just tested positive also for the flu and they had the flu shot. So I actually hear it quite a bit that people get the flu shot and still get the flu. But like I said, fingers crossed that hopefully at least their symptoms are a lot less. Okay, here's one that we just talked about. It says you shouldn't exercise if you have the flu or a cold. What do you think? Well, what they say is an active day keeps the colds at bay. Exercise can help you from getting a cold, although if you already have one, it cannot cure it. If you plan to go to the gym when you're fighting off a cold, please make sure to wipe down your workout station and wash your hands frequently to avoid infecting other gym goers. If you're not up for your regular workout, listen to your body. That sounds familiar. Keep it simple and limit yourself to stretching at home. So that would be for the common cold. They're actually not talking about the flu in that one. So that one we've covered. And then what about this? Cover your mouth with your hands. So like when you're coughing or you're sneezing, should you cover your mouth with your hands? They actually say, please do not do this. Hands could carry the infection to someone else. And if you say, or if you cough into your hands and then shake hands with someone or use the doorknob or, or that lift that dumbbell at the gym, then all of those people basically are probably going to get sick, right? So instead, try to cough into your arm. If you realize you did cough into your hands, then wash them or use a hand sanitizer immediately to avoid spreading the germs. But always try to cough into your arm. And that being said, when I was on the plane last week, there were all these kids coughing and they weren't covering their mouths at all, not with a hand or an arm. So please also teach your child to cough into their arm, especially on an airplane. All right, those were your 10 cold and flu miss debunked. 
Now I think you know everything you need to know about exercise, working out, how to come back, what's a myth, what's a fact. And the only other one that I would um, like to talk about just really briefly as we close up is another one people often ask me is, should you get a massage if you're sick? And unfortunately, this just happened to me. I always tell people, don't get a massage if you feel like you're getting sick. Um, I, I don't have any research. I haven't looked this one up. Well, I did briefly look it up and it did say you shouldn't get a massage if you're feeling sick, but I didn't see any exact research on it. But from my training in Eastern medicine, we always would we always said like, don't get a massage if you're getting sick. It's almost like it's pushing the illness deeper into your body. Well, the day I started not feeling good, I was on a vacation and my mom had already booked us massages. And normally I wouldn't have gotten one, but it was at a special spa. So I was just sort of hoping that I wasn't really getting sick, you know, when you're in denial. Um, anyway, I think that that deep tissue massage did not help me at all because the next day I was super sick. So yeah, if, if you are feeling sort of under the weather, cancel the massage. You don't want to sort of push the illness deeper into the body or around in the body. Again, I don't have the research on that, but according to my Eastern medicine, uh, you, you don't want to do it. And I speak from experience that... It's not good. <laughs> well, that's everything today. We are wrapping up the year of 2019. Uh, we start the holiday challenge next week. I'm super excited. I, I hope that all of you got in. Um, at the, by the time this launches, I think it'll be sold out. You can always check with me, Kim at EarnThatBody.com to see if I have any spots left. And then just a few spots left in the January sessions of Earn That Body and the Nutrition Recharge. So much going on for 2020, uh, a year that I really want to focus on for people is about getting healthy, not getting skinny. So I, I want to talk less in 2020 about losing weight and more about getting healthy because what happens when you get healthy is you lose weight, right? But it really takes some of that pressure off of people when they stop focusing so much on the scale. And if we can focus more on being healthy in mind and body, it's sort of amazing what just sort of happens to the body and the transformation that takes place with a lot less pressure as well. All right, everybody, I look forward to 2020 coming. We have a few more weeks in this year. Earn That Body Podcast, always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information that you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.